have your Bibles, open them up to Luke 22, 1 through 38. And I'm going to invite Tucker to come on up and uh, read this to us together. We'll also put it up on the screen as well. Now the festival of the unleavened bread called Passover was approaching, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some ways to get rid of Jesus, for they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve, and Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to him when no crowd was present. Then the day of the unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed, Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? they asked. He replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters. And say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them, so they prepared the Passover. Then the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to the man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Jesus said to them, The king of the Gentiles lord it, lord it over them, and those who exercise authority call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. You are... Uh, you are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer you on you a kingdom, just as my Father conferred on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked, you, asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your, lack, that your faith may not fail. And where, when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times that you know me. Then Jesus asked them, when I sent you without purse, bag, or sandals, did you lack anything? Nothing, they answered. 
He said to them, But now if you have a purse, take it and also a bag. If you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. It is written. It is written. And he was numbered with the transgressors. And I tell you that it must be fulfilled in me. Yes, what is written about me is reaching its fulfillment. The disciples said, See, Lord, here are two swords. That's enough, he replied. Hey, can we give it up for Tucker here? That was a lot of scripture. Tucker uh, runs our video ministry here at the church, and those uh, kind of more behind-the-scenes guys, they don't get the credit and recognition that they deserve. So we wanted to get them up there today. And uh, Tucker, we love you, and we really do appreciate everything that you've done, and, and it's just beautiful. Yeah, amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Well, thanks for joining us. If you're online, thanks for being here. We're really happy that you uh, call LifeSpring your home, and uh, thank you for being here. This is way too much to cover in 30 minutes. Like, there's a lot going on here. So I, I put down some notes over here in the dark. <laughs> but uh, th- th- this is kind of what I'm going to go off of. People over here are like, yeah, I, I could not see that even if I tried. But um, I'll, I'll talk through it a little bit as well, and then we'll go on from there. So the first point that I wanted to make, and you don't have to write these down, but uh, Judas betrays Jesus. That's the first kind of part of this big, long passage in Luke 22. And I'll just read a couple of quotes. J.C. Ryle says this about Satan entering into Jesus, Judas, which is pretty dramatic, right? Satan entering into Judas. But J.C. Ryle says, These words are pecu- peculiarly awful. To be tempted by Satan is bad enough. To be sifted, buffeted, led captive by him is truly terrible. But when Satan enters into a man, dwells in him, the man becomes indeed a child of hell. Judas Iscariot ought to be a standing beacon to the church of Christ. This man, be it remembered, was one of the Lord's chosen apostles, right? He's one of the twelve. He followed our Lord during the whole course of his ministry. He forsook all for Christ's sake. He heard Christ preach. He saw Christ's miracles. He preached himself. He spoke like the other apostles. There was nothing about him to distinguish him from Peter, James, and John. And yet this man turns out at length a hypocrite, betrays his master, helps his enemies to deliver him up to death, dies himself a son of perdition. He writes, These are fearful things, but they are true. The lengths to which men may go in religion and yet be without grace is far greater than we suppose. Right? The, the lengths that you can go in this whole thing. <laughs> right? The, the religious system, so to speak. Even doing the right things, saying the right things, and yet far from the heart of God. This is... Um, what Warren Worsby says. He says, We have every reason to believe Jesus had been given the same authority as the other men. He had preached the same message, performed the same miracles, and it shows, again, how close a person can come to God's kingdom and still be lost. How close you can come to his kingdom and still be lost. Is Judas a tragic story? It really is. It, I don't enjoy... Does anyone enjoy reading the story of Jesus? I, I'm never like, Oh, well, he got hit. Like, There's nothing of that in me. There's a tragedy to him, and yet it's a story that's been repeated a million times, two million, ten million. I mean, how many? This is so often familiar with man and woman and and where we go, uh, where where we go in our lives. And I I think it's important to wrestle with this. I was wrestling with it this week. As human beings, we don't like to be challenged. We don't like warnings. We don't like rebukes. At least no one that I've ever tried to do that with. (laughs) 
you know, you're a pastor. <laughs> but could we allow this to be a warning for us today? Kind of uncomfortable? I'll leave it at that. Number two, Lord's Supper. Lord's Supper, Passover type meal, right around Passover. If you remember, the day after Passover begins that Feast of the Unleavened Bread. It's pretty amazing to think about what Jesus is doing here, right? With his death happening all around these festivals. You think it's a coincidence? Probably not. Passover. What's Passover? Right? Celebrating the night when the death angel... Remember this? The death angel passed over the doors of the homes. The homes were marked with what? With the blood of an unblemished lamb. Oh, does that make you think of anybody? Right? Jesus, the perfect lamb of God, who John the Baptist says he not only takes, he not only covers our sins, but what? He takes away our sins. Praise the Lord. But then that Feast of Unleavened Bread, that commemorates uh, Israel's exodus after the Passover, and, and they're, what? Delivered out of Egypt. Anybody else think about somebody that's delivered us out of our own Egypt, who's delivered us from the bondage of sin, set us free, right? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. At the Last Supper, he emphasizes, he says that it's his body given for us, but then he also says it's the new covenant that what? Is established by his blood shed for us. His body given for us, his blood shed for us. A new covenant. Uh, Some of you Bible scholars out here, when you think of new covenant, you think of a couple of scriptures. I think of Jeremiah 31 for sure, right? This is the Lord. He says, Behold, the days are coming when I will make a new covenant. Everyone say new covenant. Say it like you believe it. (laughs) New covenant. I'm going to make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds. I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For why? They shall all know me. Wow. From the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. Isn't that powerful? Oh, the Word of God. Like, just, we could just read Scripture all day, and I, I think I'd be good. Listen to this one, Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27. Moreover, I will give you a new heart, says the Lord. I will give you a new spirit within you. I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove that heart of stone from your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Right? Remove that heart of stone, and He's going to give you something that's just pumping the vitality and life of Jesus. Amen. I will put my spirit within you. I will cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. And this is what we have in Jesus. Isn't that why we sang today? Isn't that what worship's all about? A new covenant? A new covenant under the blood of Jesus? And by the way, it's a new covenant where our obedience to God, it now comes from a place of his spirit, the spirit of God dwelling in us. Because of Jesus, we now have the privilege of God's Spirit dwelling in us. But not only just dwelling in us, but empowering us. Anybody else happy to be living under the new covenant? I'm happy today, church. I'm missing an hour of sleep, but I'm happy. (laughs) I really, I'm loving it. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy you came. I'm happy I came. Like, could it get any better than talking about 
Jesus and the new covenant that we have by His death and resurrection. Because of His sacrifice, right? Because of what He did on the cross. You and I, we're given a new heart. We're given a new spirit. In fact, I have resurrection power. I have resurrection power because of Jesus. I have the same power. Paul says it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living where? In me. In you. And so, by the Holy Spirit, this is where the good news is so good, by the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, you and I have the power to obey the Lord. And we even have the power to obey His commands. I have the power, you have the power to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Why? Not because you're some goody two-shoe or you're just really strong, but because Jesus is strong in you, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can follow God. Anybody say amen today? I mean, it's so, so good. So good. I don't know what you're going through today. Probably a lot. It's a tough season for a lot of people. But could you receive that truth? Too many Christians living by the ways of this world and the thinking of this world and the spirit of this world. You have the spirit of Christ in you. Think on the things of God. You can do this, church. Yes, it's challenging. And yes, it's hard. And then you turn around, bam, it feels like it gets harder. But you can do this. We have so many scriptures, right? Even when I feel weak, he is strong. He who is living in me is what? He is greater than he who is living in the world. And that I can do all things, what? By Christ who strengthens me. You can do this, church, and it's all made possible by the new covenant. Praise the Lord. All right, and then the third point there I I wrote down, who is the greatest? Isn't that interesting? Right after that, right after this amazing establishment, you know, saying this is my body, this is my blood, and they start bickering. They start griping. Right? Remember the dispute? Like, who's the greatest? Uh, verse 24, a dispute arose among them. Right here. Right? A dispute arose among them. Which is to be considered the greatest? Who of them is considered to be the greatest? You kind of want to shake your heads at the disciples, don't you? Like, oh, man. Peter, John, like, what? Thomas? Well, maybe Thomas would say something like that. No, you're just like, what? But, I mean, how could you, how, how could you, but come on, we all do it too. We're, I'm right there in, in, in the same boat. You know who really acts like this? Um, kids, little kids. And you know who acts like little kids often? Us, <laughs> all of us. Have you ever been a parent of multiple children before? They bicker, right? They, what do they bicker about? They bicker about everything. But they, one of the things that in our house, it's the uh, who gets the bigger side of the donut. You ever share a donut before? We, we share a lot of things in our house. Now, the trick is apparent. You know the trick, right? The first child splits it, and then the second child gets to pick which piece they want. And the minute you do that, that first child's taking out the ruler, right? The measuring stick, and just, you know, they're making sure it's... <laughs> but that's how kids act, right? We're not kids. We're spiritual believer. As a spiritual believer, if I got a donut, I'd just be like, here's the donut. You can have, Leanne, here's the donut. Have a donut. And you're like, oh, well, actually, Pastor, I want to share it with you. Okay. And then, well... What side do you want now? I don't know. What kind of, like, when, when we're mature, we're like fighting about who gets the smaller piece, right? That, it's not who's the greatest. It's how can I serve you? How can I love you? And yet, we bicker like little children. Now, we are supposed to be like children in one area, right? Childlike faith. Not childish faith, but childlike faith. 
not childish, not childish. We should be mature in the faith. But here the disciples, they don't understand. They don't understand what servant leadership is. They don't understand what's going to be required in the kingdom, I would say, that Jesus is establishing. Now, they will understand. Eventually, they will. This isn't the end of the story. What we're reading today, this is the part of the story. It's not the end of the story. They will understand. In fact, after the Holy Spirit is poured out in the book of Acts, right, so many men, so many women walking out very mature lives of uh, faith, they end up giving up everything, don't they? In fact, many of the men and women of faith, after the Holy Spirit is poured out, many of them end up dying quickly, right? Because they are mature in the faith, giving up everything, even their lives for the Father's kingdom. But here at this point, Luke 22, they don't understand. But he's teaching them. He loves his disciples. He's for them. He's their friends. He said, hey, don't act like this world. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. I want to read that again. The greatest among you should be like the youngest. The one who rules should be like the one who serves. And I love that. Again, as Christians, walk in humility, church. Humble yourselves. Walk in humility. Even in those places where you might rule, even those places where you might have power, the Lord might place you in places of influence, places of leadership, places uh, where you uh, have some kind of power. But even in that moment and in that position, you've got to do it with a heart of a servant. We've been reading a lot of scriptures the, the last couple of weeks that talk about that servant's heart, that servant attitude. Your position there, if the Lord positioned you there, praise the Lord, you don't have to hide from it, but your position there, what? To serve. To serve. Not to lord your power over others, but instead to humble yourself to serve others. Such an important principle of God's kingdom. All right, and then he predicts Peter's denial. But I love Jesus. Look at verse 32. This is so good. He goes, but I prayed for you, Simon. Isn't that powerful? Jesus prayed for Simon. How, how good is our God, church? Come on. I mean, how good is Jesus that he's praying for Simon? He says, yeah, you're going to deny me, but what I'm praying is that your faith won't fail. And, and when you've turned back, not if you've turned back, but when you've turned back, you're going to strengthen your brothers. Again, a powerful thought that Jesus prayed for Simon, talking to his father about his friend Simon, Peter. Father, give him a faith. Father, you, you know what he's going to be walking through, but Father, would you just give him that faith that would endure? Would you give him that faith that, that will not fail, that when he turns back, that he will be strengthened, but not only just him, that he'll be able to strengthen those around him. Father, would you do that? And we know that what happens, Peter denies Jesus, and it's brutal. It's hard. The denial of Jesus, the Peter's denial, it's a tough one because we know the end of the story, so sometimes we go through it without really feeling the brunt of that. But that's epic. Like, this is heavy. Heavy. He's walked with him for three years, and he denies him three times. But then we also know that he does turn back. And after Jesus' resurrection, there's a powerful scene. I think it's John chapter 21. And three times, Jesus asks Peter, remember what he says? He goes, do you love me, right? And then feed my sheep. And he restores Peter. He commissions him to feed the sheep and to establish or be a part of establishing his church. Have you ever fallen short before church? Like, way too many times. It's so funny. Like, I'll have these moments where I'm like, oh, man, I am going. I, I, man, I, like, you, you, you've lived life before, too, right? The minute you have that attitude, it's how, how quickly you end up on your face. And the older you get, the more you're like, 
I'm going to willingly get to my face <laughs> and humble myself. Because <laughs> either way, I'm getting to my face. But I might as well humble myself. And yeah, we've all fallen short. But have you ever received the radical love of God, the radical grace and mercy and forgiveness of God before? Is there a more incredible feeling than that in the world? When you just know that the Lord has forgiven you. It's heavy. It's intense. But it's beautiful. It's powerful. And if you're here today, I'm just saying, if you're here today and, you know, man, like I really haven't been living, you know, for the Lord. Maybe I've been denying him in the way I've been living or acting or the things I've been watching or the things I've been saying. Whatever it is. Church, he's so for you today. Receive his grace again. Turn. Humble yourself. And he's just going to deluge you with his love. He is so for you. He is so into you. He, he's praying for you. He loves you. He, he, put, he wants to put his spirit in you to help you. He is, like, if you can just hear that today, the radical, reckless love of God is here for you today. If you are feeling like you're far from God, just humble yourself. Turn back. From, in fact, when you turn back to the Lord, it says he is coming, running after you. If that's you today, just take a big breath and know that you're receiving his grace again. He loves you today. All right, and then the fifth one that I wrote down was that he modifies instructions. And if you remember, we've talked a lot about Luke 9, because Luke 9 is right before he begins this epic journey from Galilee to Jerusalem. But right at the beginning of Luke 9, look what he says. He does give some instructions to his disciples. He said, and this is before all of it, but he says, Jesus, he had called the 12 together. He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. Now, how awesome is that? (laughs) <laughs> right? Power, authority to drive out all demons and cure diseases. But he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey. And he meant it, right? No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. But now, with what Tucker just read, the instructions, I don't know if you picked up, the instructions were a little different, weren't they? But you got to understand, things are different. This is a different time, right? This is a different setting. This is the last week of Jesus' earthly life before his death and his resurrection. And so Jesus, we got to understand this, Jesus is setting them up, right? He's preparing them for what's about to go down. And he's preparing them, by the way, equipping them, preparing them for, I would say, a new, exciting, dangerous, but new and exciting adventure that we actually call the book of Acts. Have you read the book of Acts before? Pretty awesome, right? Luke Acts is actually probably a two-volume work, and we're going to be covering the book of Acts sometime later this uh, year. I can't wait for that. But Jesus, think of it this way. Jesus cares so much for his disciples that he's preparing them for his departure. They don't understand. They don't seem to understand quite often, but they don't fully understand what's going on, but he's getting them ready for everything that is about to happen. And I just want you to hear this. It is so much love and passion that Jesus has for his friends. And I want that to encourage you today, church. He loves you. He has a passion for you. He wants you to be prepared. He wants you to be equipped for the journey, for the adventure that you're on. 2020, I'm telling you, many of you that were around me, you heard, the, heard me say that. Right away, the Lord told me, Dan, this is not for your death and destruction, but it's for your good. I, I just knew the Lord was preparing me. He was equipping me. He was uh, even getting me ready for the adventure that he has for me to go on. And I just want to encourage you in that. The Lord has a journey for you. The Lord has a walk for you. He has an adventure for you. But He is so good and He is so for you today that He hasn't abandoned you. He hasn't left you. But even now, behind the scenes, He is strategically, with strategy, with intentionality, He is preparing and setting things up just right for His glory, for His kingdom, but also, church, for your good. Do you believe that today? Amen.
So there you go. Wrote those things on the board. I actually wrote that, I think, two weeks ago. And I just kind of sat with it for a couple of weeks. And I read it again and again and again, just waited for the Lord to speak about it all. And two main thoughts emerged. And I do want you to write these thoughts down. If you have a pen or paper or typewriter or cell phone, whatever you got. If you brought your typewriter, let's talk later. That's epic. One of the coolest things I've ever heard. So, um, yeah, that would be awesome. Two main thoughts. And again, these thoughts might not even make sense when I first say them. You're going to be like, how did you get that out of there? But just saying, this is what he told me. So, First one is this. First and second one are, are these. That life with Jesus is a marathon, not a sprint. Another way to think about it, life with Jesus is a lifestyle, not an event. So, again, maybe put that in your phone. Life with Jesus is a marathon, not a sprint. Life with Jesus is a lifestyle, not an event. And I think you see this in a negative way with the tragic life of Judas. Right? There's something about him that's grasping after the immediate now. You also see, I think, with the power grab of the disciples. that They're grasping, you know, they're wondering who is greatest. You, you see some of this in the negative light. I also think you see the positive side of this. You see it played out with the establishment of the new covenant, right? This new covenant where God is giving us a new heart, new spirit, empowering us by the spirit to live this new life under his blood. Where just like Peter, you can have a moment where you fail God. But just like Peter, by Jesus' blood, you can be restored, praise the Lord. By Jesus' blood, by the new covenant, you can live this life of forgiveness, mercy, grace, love. All because Jesus is leading us and he's empowering us by the Holy Spirit. Again, it's not just an event, but it's... A lifestyle. It's a walk. Have you ever heard that before, that it's a walk with Jesus? It is a walk with Jesus. It's a walk with Jesus. Not a sprint. It's a walk. Paul says, I think it's in Romans, he says, uh, Romans 6 actually, he says that it's a newness of life. You walk in the newness of life with Jesus. Again, a marathon, not a sprint. A lifestyle, not an event. But both of those phrases, they spoke to me because, and I, I think they'd actually speak to many of you in this room, because doesn't it kind of feel like we're in a culture right now that is really caught up in the immediate now? Like really caught up, like addicted to the immediate now? Like we're afraid to even talk like that, but what phones have done to people, what social media, like we, we don't even want to go there, right? Because we're all on those platforms. But those news apps, the, the news shows, right, Wh whatever it is, we're always kind of waiting. Like we're excited when we get up to open the phone. What's the latest, the greatest, right? We're, we're craving that next new dopamine hit. Anybody know what I'm talking You don't have to raise your hands on this, but anybody feel what I'm feeling on this? And that mentality, it is totally in the church. We, we are failing in this area. I've just noticed, as a pastor, I've noticed that people almost demand instant gratification. And, by, and you also have to be happy all the time, right? And we have left out room for all those very human things like pain and hardship. And yet pain is a part of life, isn't it? But our society, have you noticed? Our society does not know how to walk through pain. Our society doesn't know how to walk through hardship. Well, our society is terrible at walking through death. Have you noticed that? We just pretend it doesn't even exist. We just hide it off in the corner. 
We don't even know how to talk about it. As humans, we, we don't want to walk through hard things. Now, I'm with you on that. I, I hear you. Like, who is like, yeah, sign me up for something hard. No. I picked the easy class as well. I'm, I'm good with you. In fact, my senior year, I was in the honors classes, and I was like, wait a minute. You mean there's a class that's not honors, and yet you still graduate? <laughs> I, I transferred out of two classes that first week of my senior year in high school. Like, what? Like, more work? No, what? Get me out of here. But Christians, we got to hear this. We, can we receive? We know this, but sometimes we don't receive this. Jesus never promises us easy. And if you signed up to be a Christian because you thought it would make life easy, you've signed up for the wrong thing. In fact, he promises you trouble. Isn't that a great promise? He says, in this world, you will have trouble. There's going to be difficulties, trials, failings, pains. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is going to be with you through it all. Amen. By the power of the Holy Spirit, never will I leave you, he says. Never will I forsake you. He says, yes, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Praise the Lord. But we need to learn how to walk in the marathon of life. I love how Eugene Peterson writes about the Christian journey we're called to live. And he actually wrote a whole book on it. I don't know if you've read this book. It's pretty epic. It's, it's called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Isn't that so good? Walking with Jesus. Long obedience in the same direction. The little subtitle there, it's discipleship in an instant society. Right? What does it look like to grow in Christ, to walk with Christ, to be a Christian in an instant society? Here's just a few quotes from the book really spoke out to me. Look at this. He says, there's a great market for religious experience in our world. There's little enthusiasm for the patient acquisition of virtue. There's little inclination to sign up for a long apprenticeship in what earlier generations of Christians called holiness. Religion in our time has been captured by the tourist mindset. This is so good. He says, religion is understood as a visit to an attractive site to be made when we have adequate leisure. Woo! Religion is understood as a visit to an attractive site to be made when we have adequate leisure. Here's some other quotes. He says, For many, the first great surprise of the Christian life is in the form of the troubles that we meet. But he says, No literature is more realistic and honest in facing the harsh facts of life than the Bible. At no time is there the faintest suggestion that the life of faith exempts us from difficulty. And listen, this is so good. You might want to write this one down too. He says, Discipleship is a decision to live by what I know about God. Discipleship is a decision to live by what I know about God. Not what I feel about Him. Not what I feel about myself. And not what I feel about my neighbors. Discipleship is a decision to live by what I know about and so when you face difficulties, and you will, life, man, it gets hard. Things are happening right now. i got family, friends, really struggling. Hard time. I was just hanging out with somebody yesterday, and they just told me story after story after story of just hard, hard things going on in their life. But when you face trials, when you face difficulties, hardships, and by the way, whoever caused them, whether you caused them, your friend caused them, Satan caused them, or some kind of combination caused them, real discipleship, real faith is long obedience in the same direction. 
long obedience, saying, I'm going to live by what I know about God. How do you know what you know about God? By the power of the Word, the Bible, and the power of the Holy Spirit. And again, I think in today's reading, you see glimpses of people, of disciples of Jesus, grasping for some kind of instant fix. Sometimes that, I've been around that too. Grasping for an instant fix, or again, instant gratification. Something our society is very familiar with. And Jesus loves us so much. I love this. He's not there to shame us, condemn us. He's actually here to help us. He loves giving us a way forward. And not just for a moment, but for a lifetime. So what does he do? He goes to his Father, asks the Father to send us the Holy Spirit for an empowered life where he can help us, train us, teach us, equip us, that we can live for him, that we can love God, we can love others in good times, bad times, mountaintops, valleys, that we can, by the new covenant established by his blood, we can do this. Church, we can do this, and not just today, not just for the next five minutes, but forever and ever. Amen. So good. All right. Life, write this down. Next point. Life with Jesus is a life of trust. Life with Jesus is a life of faith. Life with Jesus is a life of trust. And life with Jesus is a life of faith. The times I get in trouble the most is when I panic and stop trusting in the Lord. The times I get in trouble the most is when I start making decisions not based on faith, but instead what? Based on feeling? emotion, when I'm responding to what my flesh is saying instead of what my faith is saying. Anybody been there before? I think you see this in today's passage, but you also see this throughout Jesus' ministry with his disciples. They're going on this long walk with Jesus, long journey with Jesus, and and it seems like it's going pretty well. You'll see this throughout the Gospels. And then they'll have this moment where all of a sudden the disciples, like, they freak out. Have you seen that? Where they, they lack faith, they don't trust Jesus. You see this in the Old Testament a lot, right? A whole bunch. At various times, God's people, they're, they're delivered out of Exodus, and they start griping, start complaining. We're going to go hungry, starve to death in this desert. Or they start getting all afraid, afraid of the giants in the land. Or they have, what I'd say, spiritual amnesia, they, where they forget who God is and what God's done, and they start worshiping other gods. They even start worshiping images of other gods instead of holy trusting, holy believing, and having faith. In the Lord, And yeah, I want to encourage you today. Yeah, in your flesh, yeah, you can go there. I can go there. In fact, we do all go there. But as someone who's living under the new covenant, say it again, new covenant. Under the new covenant with the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you can actually do this. You can live a life full of trust and faith. In fact, if you're struggling with faith, you know what you can do? Ask for more faith. That's one of the greatest prayers you can pray. Lord, I'm struggling to believe. Help me believe. Ask for more faith. In fact, He will give you the gift. He can even give you the gift of faith. Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit, He can comfort us. He does comfort us. He teaches us. He guides us. In fact, this is pretty cool. The Holy Spirit, He reminds us of everything that Jesus has said and done. That's how powerful the Holy Spirit is. He reminds you. He's bringing to remembrance all the things that Jesus has said and done. The Holy Spirit is in you. So let him do that work, that good work, the, the good work that he started. Let him finish it in you, that he would do such a work in you that he would build within you, build a house within you, build such a confidence within you of who you are and whose you are that you can walk out this life with faith and trust. 
not shaken. We, we all sang that song, We Will Not Be Shaken, a bunch before COVID. I didn't hear a lot of churches singing that song during COVID because we're all like, I'm all being shaken. But you are not shaken in Christ. Yeah, you might have lost your footing, but I see you. I see your faith. I see Christ in you. I see the power of the Holy Spirit in you. And I believe a better word over your life. And I know it was hard. I know it was difficult. But I see your faith. I see what God is doing in you and through you. The Holy Spirit is alive and well in the people of Life Spring Church. And I just want to encourage you, you can do this. You can do this. Praise the Lord. Are you confident in Him today, church? Do you trust Him today, church? We could avoid so much sorrow and death and destruction if we simply trusted in the Lord and lived by faith in God. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. I'm going to speak just a little bit more here. But there's a passage in Jeremiah 17 that speaks, I think, really well to this idea. I've heard Pastor Steve Schell, he's said this one so many times. Jeremiah 17, listen to this. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Have you heard this one before? Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought. and never fails to bear fruit. You know, I know not everyone can see this, but I'm going to write this down real quick. So, long obedience I don't know if this is right or not, but this is kind of how I always see that. Oh, let's use purple. purple. So let's just say this is this line of long obedience in the same direction. Lust. (laughs) All right. Long obedience in the same direction. I don't know about you, but my life... Hey, let's, let's turn this a little bit. I don't know about you, but for my life, I feel like I'm here, and then I'm down here, and then I'm down here, and whoa, and then here, and then whoa, whoa. You know, that's what my life feels like. If you can't see it over there, it just looks like a roller coaster. Anybody else feel like sometimes your life looks like a roller coaster? But sometimes I'll allow myself to just convince my life it's chaos. But when I actually look back at my life, I realize that quicker and quicker I'm coming back to that long obedience in the same direction. Now, I'm not saying that, like, Jesus, like I was away from Jesus. Jesus was with me through it all. Like, he, he'll go on the ride. If I want to go on the ride, he'll go with me. He loves me that much. I'm talking about from my side, and my perspective. But I've noticed that more and more, I come quicker and quicker back to the line. Anybody else? Christians here? Anyone alive today? Like, we, we come back quicker to the Lord. That's part of the sanctification process, growing in Christ, having a mind in Christ, attitude of Christ. But then even, I was thinking about it. You ever do a doozy? Like a do, right? You're like, whoa, <laughs> whoa, I didn't see that one coming. But you know what I love about being a 40-year-old Christian? 
who's just radically on fire for Jesus and like I love the Lord. And like if I even step out there, you know how terrifying that is? Like it's like ah and I just ru- anybody run into the Father these days? Anybody else? Right? I'm like I feel it in my heart like when I step out and I'm oh my oh thank you Jesus. And I just want to I don't know where you're at if you're like here or you're up here or you're down here right now if you want to get addicted to the immediate now stop trying to chase happiness just chase Jesus if you if you're so concerned about the immediate now then be concerned about the immediate now of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit doing something in you right now restoring your soul refreshing your soul filling you up to overflowing doing something that would cause you to sing and dance doing something within you that would give you spiritual gifts to be able to operate for his glory and for his kingdom if you're concerned about this moment stop being concerned about how you can be happy but be more concerned about how you can play your part in the beautiful thing that God is doing in the Pacific Northwest and just run back to the line because he's so for you today he is so for you today. He is so for you today. You know, I'm going to do something real quick. I wrote this. I wrote these down on Tuesday. I didn't know if I was going to read them, but why not? We got a little bit of time. I wrote this. I, I said, there's a family that's here today who's new to LifeSpring. <laughs> and it's just, I wrote, and you're full of joy today. And you're really happy to be here. And you weren't sure who you should tell. If you should email me or the church. I just feel like God told me I was supposed to give you an opportunity to let us all know today. Would you raise your hand high so we can also know how happy we are to have you spending time with us. Is there anyone here that's visiting today that's just really happy to be here? Yeah, amen, yeah, amen, come on, amen. We're happy to have you here, and and the Lord, Lord loves you, he's for you, he's with you. And then, uh, this is a little bit, a heavier word, and I, I felt this pretty strongly as well, it, it was that you feel overlooked, this is for uh, somebody else at the church who's uh, been coming for a while, I think. You feel overlooked, and you don't be, and you're not seen by your church, and you don't feel seen by your pastor. And I felt like the Lord is saying that you have been overlooked, which isn't easy for me to say. But where the enemy would want to plant within you a spirit of bitterness, or dare I say, divisiveness, instead the Lord is going to give you a heart or give you his heart and he's going to create open doors for you to minister to those who feel forgotten and abandoned and I just see that if that's you today I I believe the Lord is actually placing on you even now a ministry to minister to those who feel forgotten and abandoned thank you for being on the journey with me church thank you it's a marathon, not a sprint. Lifestyle, not an event. It's a life full of trust in the Lord. It's a life full of faith in the Lord. Praise be my son. Would you stand with us? How can I contain it? 
contain this love. 